Hello stars, and welcome to the Stellify podcast, where we help you live intentionally, maximize capacity, and explore purpose. This is not your cliche self-help show. Here we preach what we practice, that you can leverage in your own life. Get ready to move from regular to stellar. I am your host, Bralade. The Stellification begins. Hello everyone, you're welcome to today's special episode Preach what you practice, and we have our guest here, Abby Olukeye. Super excited to have her here with us. Abby is one of those people that I would describe as an impactpreneur, and you guys know I use that word a lot. I think it means people who have a business that's not necessarily based on money or you know the economics of nations. No, they're based from the heart, they're based on a vision of purpose and of impact that even in its execution, it empowers people in the society where they operate in. So grateful to showcase Abby to you guys, and you guys will see why in a minute. Listen rapidly, get your pen and paper. (laughs) You're going to hear things that will transform you today. Abby, you're welcome on the show. Thank you so much. Wow. Thank you for that introduction. Yeah. So I haven't even quite introduced you yet. Yet I'm about <laughs> to go into it. And I love your bio. It's like so cute. Some people <laughs> would send in like 10 paragraphs. I'm like, I know, I know you've done so much. I wish I could, All the things. you know, read it shorter though. But you're, you're absolutely, this is underselling. So everything you guys hear, no, just multiply it by five. Okay. All right. So Abby Olukeye is the founder CEO of Smart Girls HQ, a STEM education solutions provider that creates engaging content and facilitates exciting experiences to enable young girls achieve STEM career literacy by age 12. Woo, I love that specificity. So the core offerings include parent education for STEM informal learning at RaisingSmartGirls.com and Dear Smart Girl Kids, a project-based career-focused STEM curriculum for girls. Previously, she led Internet of Things, IoT strategy development, and digital transformation projects at a diversified Fortune 500 manufacturing company. She has over 15 years of professional and leadership experience spanning new product development, technology commercialization, process improvement, and strategy. Avi, that was so inspiring just reading it. You're welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. So please, can you fill in all the parts I said nothing about? (laughs) There's a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah. You're listening. How did you get into engineering? How So there was a little girl once, right? That was under yes. 12 years old, which is your target um, yeah. audience right now. Who was Abby at that age and how was she raised as a smart girl? That is such a great question because I have so many triggers going off in my brain. I grew up in Nigeria and um, I remember being very much into the arts. Uh, but, you know, what's interesting is in that environment, there's a lot of focus on STEM because it is considered sort of an upward mobile um, 
career path. And so parents, you know know this, right? (laughs) So your parents, you know, from birth, assign you your careers (laughs) and they start saying, that's going to be my doctor. That's my lawyer. That's my engineer. (laughs) Um, And so for me, you know, I wasn't really encouraged in the arts because, you know, it was just supposed to be a thing. But I wasn't necessarily discouraged either. But I say that to say I always had STEM all around me. I had multiple influences, um, but it wasn't that I, you know, I was, you know, always tinkering. I actually really enjoyed the arts as well. But then um, when I moved to the States about age 15, I remember that my dad, so my dad also moved here and he was changing careers. And because he was going through a career transition, he he was moving from a banker to becoming a technologist. So he we just suddenly had computers all around the house. And oh, wow. that the contrast of that for me was I came from an environment where you know, I was lucky enough, my school at the time in Nigeria had computer classes. We actually had a computer lab that we would go to. But, you know, it was just that one experience, maybe once a week. We, there weren't personal computers all over the place. And then, you know, to here in the States and, you know, my dad's tinkering with computers all the time. So I'm curious about this thing. I'm like, what is this? And why, you know, what are we doing with it? Right. So, And, and of course, in high school, you know, they're, they're having us do, um, I remember taking like a class that was just about the Microsoft office suite stuff. And so, you know, (laughs) can you imagine, uh, we actually had a class just to go over Microsoft Word and Excel and PowerPoint. And so I started getting really interested in technology itself, because I think for me, it was the one thing that I was unfamiliar with. It just immediately attracted me because I didn't know much about it and I just wanted to learn about it. And in my personal um, exploration, I started to get really curious. The The artist in me actually was the first thing that was peaked. It was the artist in me first that got interested in technology than the the nerdy side of me. I just liked the it's it's interesting to think about because I was um more fascinated by this new canvas. I I considered it a canvas. I was like, "Wait, somebody created this." Like I'm looking at email, I'm like, "Somebody put all this together and somebody mm. decided what colors it should be and where to place." Like I was so into the user experience and the idea that it was somebody's idea that we should use it this way. That just fascinated me. And I thought, Mm. well, who gets to create this? I want to do that. And that's where my journey really began was that that was where the spark was was first ignited. Um, And because I could relate to that, then I was into, all right, let's talk about the back end. What what is it that I have to learn (laughs) to do this? I can assure you no one thinks about that when they look at a computer. So this is how you know the genius. They're like, you know, like everyone else. I wondered about, no, no one else did. No one else did, right? (laughs) Just me, right? (laughs) Yeah, so I... I think that that's actually the inspiration. We'll get to it later as well for how mm-hmm. I do my work is you always have to find the thing that naturally connects to you first. Mm-hmm. And then we can go into the details. But if you can't grab the attention up front 
through something relatable, then mm. you, you're really fighting a losing battle. And that's really with everything, right? You know, when, when you go give a speech or you go give a talk, people advise you, you know, start with a hook, find something, you know, to get everybody a story, to get something mm-hmm. everybody interested, and then you go into your talk. This is the same thing with anything in life, right? Something has to get you first. And it, for me, it just happened to be um, the UI uh, design aspect of computer science. But what was interesting was as when I got into high school about that time frame, and I'm really getting into it, my guidance counselor was starting to tell me that, well, you know, girls are not really supposed to like this. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she, I don't know why she felt the need to like. No, that was really her, her life experience. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's something interesting that I think a lot of people don't realize between like Africa or Nigeria and here. So when it comes to education in Nigeria, everyone can do anything. Now, the workplace is completely different, but <laughs> there's no degree that was exclusively left for boys or anything like that. So it's interesting. Exactly. I'm so that. glad you said that because I remember telling someone that, uh, you know, we have different equity issues in Nigeria, right? But um, <laughs> a whole host of them. But one that did not exist was, at least for me, and maybe people have mm-hmm, different experiences, mm-hmm. was in a classroom my singular job from my parents was to beat everyone. <laughs> You're supposed to be first. <laughs> Boy or girl. <laughs> there was no That's gender. That's you go to school and be first. Why were you not first? Who was first? <laughs> like that was a, it, it didn't matter whether it was a boy or girl. So to come here and to have this guidance counselor tell me that there's something that girls don't do, it just was so foreign to me. It didn't make any sense. I, my brain didn't have any space for that. And so I was just really confused. I was like, what do you mean? And so she actually gave me a whole research paper to go read. You said, okay, take this research paper, go read it. And then I went and read it and I was like, okay, well, but I think that you're probably not introducing this to girls in a way that's mm. interesting. Like, it's just not interesting to them. And I think it probably so stemmed from- So what was the, the paper film. about? She was actually it, trying to convince yeah, you academic, yeah, it was academically a whole, that you should- yeah. <laughs> It was a whole research paper about like why girls weren't into STEM. And I'm remembering bits and pieces of it. And it was like leaning on like gaming. I think it was like kind of like, uh, you know, girls, boys play games more. And yeah, exactly. But I think now that I'm thinking about the job of a, of a guidance counselor, I feel like she was probably like trying to say, are you sure you want to go down this? Like you're really smart. Don't do this. Like go somewhere, (laughs) go somewhere else. Um, But I wouldn't relent. Like I had, um, I started taking computer science classes at a community college because I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, let me figure out if I like this for real. So I I signed up for, these were dust classes, right? So super aging myself. Um, But like my community college had a a class on DOS um, and terminal programming that I took. And then it also had a visual basic course, which was everything. Mm. (laughs) Visual basic was... um, 
so fun because you remember my curiosity around tech was the user mm-hmm. interface and visual basic allows you to design interface first because that's why it's called visual basic right so you pull the the menu over and then you code what the menu should do and you have buttons and so you can see what you're building and i, I mm-hmm. essentially could see how i could replicate microsoft word so i was i was excited. Now you've given me the tools to the kingdom and oh my gosh, now I see how you can create this thing. This is really fun. So what am I thinking immediately? Ooh, let's add, this is me at 16. Like, oh, we could create an address book and we could create like, you know, like things that were more relatable to young people. And so I told this guidance counselor, like, what if I had, it was part of like this, um, magnet program. So I told her, Mm -hmm. I was like, what if um, my final project could be that I would go, I would create a whole program, like let's test this out. Mm -hmm. I'm going to create a six week program for girls. Um, We had a partner middle school um, to our high school at that time. And I said, you know, I'll create that six week program. I'll teach them twice a week. And um, we'll see what if they, what it what they think at the end of it. And I was convinced. I was like, "Let me let me teach them, and, <laughs> and you'll see the difference between like I think I know what girls would like." And so I designed this whole program. The whole goal was for for them to create their own address wow. book. So you started a long time ago. Oh my gosh, it's so full circle because I totally forgot about that experience for years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? But a long time ago. I did that. And we, so every twice a week I would drive to this middle school and me and this, the six girls would be in the library working on this. They loved it so much. They begged me to um, do a summer camp after. And of course I was just trying to prove a point to this guy, this counselor and also finish my requirements for, for this program. I was like, um, yeah, no, I'm going to college. <laughs> I was just doing this project. It didn't even like, this wasn't even a thing. I don't remember even considering once wow. thinking, oh, maybe I should like, make this a business or maybe I should start doing no. it. It's like, not at all. <laughs> you were focused on getting the degree. Not even one. To- I was just like, yep, that's it. I told you. And maybe I even did it for myself. Maybe subconsciously mm-hmm. I needed to validate to myself mm-hmm. that this is you not a thing that it. girls can't do. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and that probably helped me as I move forward. So I always say like, I'm grateful for that experience with that guidance counselor because she drew me, drew my attention to that early. When I did go off to college and I was the only girl in those classes, just like mm-hmm. she said, and, you know, one of only two like black females in the whole program, it did not bother me one bit because mm-hmm. I was prepared for that. I act, it, it would have been super shocking if going to college was my first time confronting this conversation mm-hmm. of the gender gap, but it wasn't right. I had, I had, I turned, I had accepted it that, okay, you're going into this space where there's probably not going to be a lot of girls like you, but it's not And in my mind, I guess I had rationalized it as it's not because they can't or you can't is because they've chosen <laughs> not to, because. You did a lot no of one, thinking oh my gosh. <laughs> I know, right? Now when you look back, I'm sure you were like, why was, what I, was so I doing? <laughs> Ahead of me. All right. Love yeah. that. So tell me how your circle closed from then. What did you go on to do? Where, where yeah. did you go to college? What did you go on to do? And what are you doing yeah. right now? 
So I did um, end up studying computer science um, at Virginia Tech University, a great place to do that. And mm-hmm. I, uh, while I was there, I remember thinking when I graduated, okay, I definitely don't want to be a programmer. Like, I don't want my job to be that I am building things that I don't know what they're being used for. Um, I need to be connected to the business problem that we're solving. So I remember actually only applying to leadership development programs because that was the opportunity to use that technology knowledge in on the business side of the house. And mm-hmm. so I immediately designed my career that way. And so I went went on to work um, for Ingersoll Rand, um, which is a large um, manufacturing company. Uh, global company. And um, that was a great experience. I I actually ended up staying at that company my entire corporate career. Um, You know, I had several internships during while I was in college. uh, But when I got to Ingersoll Rand, um, the way that a rotational program works, I'm sure you're familiar with them, you get, you know, one assignment for a year, you get a second assignment, Mm -hmm. and then you roll off and decide, you know, sort of what your permanent assignment will be. Exactly. So that was really great for me, because I got a chance to to sort of see different sides of the business before I decided what path I wanted to be, especially because I was, again, designing this career in a way that served me the most, which was I needed to, my work, to be relatable. I needed to see and feel what problem I was solving and I needed to deeply understand the technology that would solve it. So I would say one of the things that made me stand out in my career. So over the course of 13 years, which is how long I, I was at Ingersoll I had seven different jobs, um, led, um, a lot of digital transformation along the way. The one thing that I always left behind at every job was a piece of technology, whether it was a part of my job or not. Whether it was a part of my job or not, I always left behind a piece of technology that was either optimizing, increasing productivity, helping us do something better. Because the advantage that I had from being someone that... um, was very fluent in both sides, in both the Mm. technology and the business side. I I did later get an MBA as well. Um, the, The advantage I had of being fluent in both sides is in every world I could walk into, I could see where the gaps were in terms of how we were doing things that technology could scale very quickly. Um, And then I also had the ability to actually search for the right tools and the ability to um, lead an implementation of the right tools. And then I had the business skills to to create a business case to get it funded. So I always had this nice mix of skills that allowed me to move very quickly through my career and deliver a lot of impact, which was very um, useful. After a while, honestly, I just got used to not seeing a lot of females um, around me. Unfortunately, I would, you know, honestly, I would be in a meeting. It would, it would for a whole week. And I actually remember this one large meeting. There were about 30 men. It wasn't until the last day that I looked around. I was like, Oh my gosh, I've been the, <laughs> I've been the only woman in here this whole time because, wow. you know, there were like distributors and a lot, of, you know, it's, it's mostly a men. It's very male driven environment. Um, but one thing changed everything. I started having kids and mm. my daughters. Yeah. So my daughters, they um, 
about age three for both of them, um, we'll start like making these very gendered statements. Like, I don't want that pencil. It's a boy pencil. What is a boy pencil? Like, Where did you get that? <laughs> where are these things coming from? What is, what is a boy thing? Like, we don't talk like that in this house. So where are you getting this from? It didn't come from me. <laughs> so I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like there are serious headwinds outside that, you know, no matter mm. what you do in your home, I need to like make sure I'm broadly exposing them to counter it. So in my mind, this was going to be super simple. I was just going to spend some time on the weekends or in the evenings because I was super busy, right, in my career. I'm like, I'm just going to spend a few hours, you know, not even hours. I thought, you know, quick Google search, find some things, (laughs) buy some things, Mm -hmm. you know, that's it. Like I was not trying to start a business at all. This, (laughs) it was just, let's, let's find the stuff. Let's get them exposed. Let's go to things. And then I start looking, I'm like, wait, where are the things? Where are the things? Like, where are the things that my girls would like? And nothing, right? And I'm searching the back of that it. I can like, yes, that, you know, I would Google, even on Amazon, like you would look and I'm like, yeah, they're not going to like that. Like everything mm. is grungy. Everything is, you know, construction sets. Everything mm. is like, they, I already know, like they're not going to be attracted to that. That's not going to be something that they're going to say, oh, that's fun. I want to, you know, dig in deeper. Um, and hold so, their interest. No, exactly. Yeah. So I started basically like literally my friends called me the internet ninja because <laughs> I started digging <laughs> to my friends um, call me Google. <laughs> yeah, you know what? We probably had the exact same part exact they're like how did you yeah. call <laughs> They're like, just tell me, I know you know all about it. No, I don't. But by tomorrow, then you truly are the expert because you just go look for that information. Searching. I mean, my one girlfriend, I remember she she's always like, Oh, do we use the same Google or do they give you a different (laughs) different search engine? (laughs) The way I would search that thing, like, because I'm thinking of intent from a machine standpoint and thinking of who programmed this and what they might put. That's stupid. That's not exactly how a natural person would think about this. And (laughs) why So I like play around with search terms from a machine standpoint to try to get what I'm looking for, because I know that some of these things, you know, there's bias built into it because human beings Mm -hmm, built them. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So that's where it all started was I started actually just sharing with friends and it was immediately, oh my gosh, text me that. Where did you find that? I need that. Like, where did you, okay. Mm. I mean, like serious, just interest from the beginning and then I, I turned into a newsletter and I just started sharing what I would find oh, wow. as I started researching and that was what Raising Smart Girls was in the beginning it was just a newsletter and I would share every week and then it just started growing this was in so I left in 2018 to do this full time so about a year before so oh, wow. 2017 or so. Um, and that started growing and growing and people would share with their friends. And then it got the attention of, uh, we had got num- we got nominated for most engaging content by this large group of Mom 2.0, which is this large group of, uh, of mom course. influencers. And I was like, oh my gosh, like people actually need this. Like people, <laughs> other people that are not my friends think this is important. And that was very validating. <laughs> <laughs> and then it started, you know, to just start of it sort of um develop 
its own um, life. And then I started thinking about, okay, because I was so into the research side of it, right? So the product manager in me was thinking, okay, what is the root cause? Why have we not made a bigger difference in this particular problem, right? I'm, I'm in corporate. We hit our goals every year. Why can't we hit goals on this problem, right? It's the same as when I went to college. And as I'm digging into the answers, because there's a ton of research that exists, you just have to pull it together. A couple of things stood out. One is that by age 12, girls are already leaning away from STEM, right? They're not necessarily making a um, conscious decision to do so. They are making a subconscious decision to actually lean into what they like and STEM just happens not to be it, right? So they're just deciding to do more of what they like and what feels good and what's interesting. And usually Mm -hmm. STEM is not on that short list. And so that gets kicked to the side and they get further and further away from it. And so I'm thinking, okay, age 12, what is age 12? That is fifth grade, fifth grade, fifth grade. That is elementary school what are we doing in elementary school? We're still teaching them abstract concepts. No one is talking to them about careers. Mm -hmm. No one is making a connection for them between what they're learning in a classroom and careers in such a way that if I'm 12 and I'm starting to think about what do I want to lean into, do you even have enough context to make the decision towards STEM? Probably Mm. not. You haven't had enough experience and you haven't had a consistent um, uh, positive experiences with STEM. And that was what I found was that girls lacked consistent, positive, engaging experiences with STEM. Instead, what they were getting unconsciously was consistent, negative experiences with STEM, right? Because even the things that they didn't engage with, it would be, they would see something uh, plastered on top of it and it did mm-hmm. not look interesting to them. That's a negative experience, even if they didn't even do the activity, right? In their head, it's marking as, yeah, that's not something I would do, right? Mm. So every everywhere they're seeing STEM, it's not in a positive, engaging, in, in a yeah. way where they've had an experience that's fun and they want to do more of it. Um, and that's what happens. So by age 12, when they're leaning into what they like, because guess what? Girls are smart and they have choices, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> they have many choices and they'll choose something else. They're leaning into, you know, literacy and communications and things because that it looks like with- fun. Yes. Yes. They, they want to work with people. They, they want to be creative because women, yes, they want, and they want to change the world. And nothing about (laughs) STEM says that, even though that's exactly what it is. That's what it is. (laughs) That's exactly what STEM is, but nothing about STEM says that to them. And so I knew that STEM had a branding problem, period. But then I'm like, okay, there's there's two problems going on here, Wait, right? You need to say that again because I think it, like what you just said, like you just saved several PhDs, people from doing PhDs. Yeah, we, we like, don't need any more research. That. It it has a brilliant problem. Period. We just we need we need the people oh, that work at, at Apple that sell us Apple products working on stuff. <laughs> just kidding. Like it's. It, oh, I was actually explaining this to someone. It's the difference between um and, and I love both technologies. This is not a dig on Android and Apple, but if you think about it, the way that Apple does their commu- commercials, right? They go and say they talk at your heart. They tell a story. They say, oh, guess what? We're in the delivery room with you, and now you know you're far away, but you can watch your your granddaughter get delivered. Um, and on the other side you get more of a feature list 
you can do this, you can do this with your super duper fast mm. camera, da 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 da. That's the difference, right? Is one really tries to grab your attention mm. and tug at your heart. And that's what STEM is missing. Even in the classroom is we teach the concepts. We just go for it. You know, this is, sure. you know, this is friction. This is this. And this is, these are electrons and this is an atom. Okay. And the girls are going, so what? And, <laughs> and what, right? One of my favorite, um, experiences to tell about that illustrates this clearly. I was talking to a group of middle school students, actually, and boys and girls about Eva Lee. And I asked mm-hmm. them and I said, hey, if I bring a drone here and just place it on the table, which ones of you, who's going to get excited about that? And all the boys, they're all the boys, every single one of them, their hands fly up. And um, I asked them, I was like, well, why, why is that exciting to you? And they were like, because it's a drone. I'm like, okay. And then the girls, I'm I'm like, okay, but why are you guys not excited about that? And they said, because it's a drone, like for the exact same reason. And basically what they were saying to me was, so here's what I did next. I know, um, I happen to know of a company actually not too far out of Davidson College, not too far from where I live in Charlotte, they were using drones, the drone technology to create um, cleaners for high rises so that every year in a case where people die every year falling from tall structures trying to clean skyscraper windows, um, the drones were doing it instead and they were solving a real problem. Um, the girls lit up immediately. It was kind of like, oh, that's cool. Like, that's really interesting. Okay, so now tell me about drones, right? That is the difference between um, how boys engage with STEM and how girls engage with STEM. I like to say that um, girls are not tinkerers without a cause. Like, they just. Yeah, that is so <laughs> yeah. true. Like some of the most creative moms I know is when they're setting a nursery up for their kids, right? Yeah. (laughs) And then you'll see, but if you just say, just come fix stuff, build stuff, like why? Like why? (laughs) Exactly. And so when you give a girl a box of Legos and they're like, okay, after 10 minutes, I'm done. Like, okay, you can put the box together. Great. I figured that part out. Now what? (laughs) Like, it's not interesting anymore unless there's a story. Like there's something we're getting to, we're solving some sort of problem that's particularly interesting to me. Um, Okay, now you got me, right? But for boys, they don't necessarily need all that. I mean, it's also, it's a better way to learn for everybody. Honestly, boys would benefit from us teaching this way. But the, the fact of the matter is it's not necessary for them. It's nice to have, it's a, it's an added bonus. If you teach this way for, and actually there are some boys that would prefer it that way, but the majority, um, we find they're, they're good, which is watching a drone fly all day. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating to them. <laughs> it's just fun that it exists as a drone. And so that's, that's really the problem that we try to solve with our products is how do we create an environment for learning Um, designed particularly for girls, but over time, we hope it becomes just gender inclusive learning, but we are intentionally biasing for girls because that doesn't exist today. And so we need to focus our attention there and then we can zoom back out, um, a little bit later, because like I said, I think all kids benefit from, you know, a must, a, a much more robust way of learning. 
Wow, no, that's just amazing. So since then, you've done a TED Talk, you've launched the kits. Can you tell us a bit about both of those? Yeah, so um, it's been an interesting journey. We've done... Um, so we, we started with from the parent angle and then parents said, um, this is really great, but like, tell me exactly what to do. <laughs> like, I'm like, what do you mean? It's all here. Here's some activities you can do. It's like, no, 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 Abby. Like literally, do I, can I give you my kid <laughs> or like, what are these questions? <laughs> and that is, that is how we actually started thinking about, okay, parents are our customer in this because that, that parent sounds like me yes. i'm like you already know it <laughs> because you have to learn it too exactly <laughs> we're dealing with the elementary age um space which means that you know the kids are not as independent as much older and it also means that you have to get the parents buy-in right because the kids are not going anywhere without their parents and they're not buying anything that their parents don't buy for them so we actually had to in our product design as we started to think about well, what's missing is, okay, we certainly products designed for girls. There's, there's definitely not enough of that out there for parents to choose from. But not only that, parents, products designed for girls, but also with the parents in mind, meaning our kids, for example, we offer video instruction, which most kids don't. Um, we offer um, not only the video, but you know the, the physical, the kit itself has instructions in there. And we do that for parents because we mm-hmm. want, as much as possible for the child to be able to do this on their own if you don't have time to do it. We're also starting off um, this month live session. So we'll offer monthly live sessions that your kid can just jump in and be a part of if you don't have time to do it. So we're constantly thinking about the parent. Um, The kid comes with everything that the child needs to do the activity so you don't have to go dig for it. Um, But what's also really important is that we tie every kid to a career, right? What's what's also missing in this elementary age space is they just learn about things, but they don't know what that means. What they want to do with it. Yes, exactly. You know, when I first moved to, when when people were saying, you know, um, how is it in Africa that people like school like why is education such a you know huge thing and i said really it's because you're not giving any other option when i say you're not giving any other option it's both good and bad it's not about even just your parents forcing you but it's like when you finish secondary school you can't even find any jobs that you can do and make a living with like you may be able to do in some of the western countries so the next protocol is school and of course, yep. school is cheap. So this is not like you have to go take huge loans. Well, now they're private universities and stuff. But if yep. you go to the government ones, they're not that expensive. And then what happens is your parents can afford it. So you go. That's where you go. Then you yep. can't live on your own because you don't have the money to even buy your clothes. So exactly. you go where they tell you to go. And when you get to college, what happens? From the day you step foot in the school, you are locked in. Yes. To the one, this is not like, oh, I'm in general engineering. No, (laughs) there's not even any general science. Like you chose your major from before you even knew what it was about. And there's no jumping around. Yeah, no. Mm -hmm. If you had to jump around, I think there was a time I actually considered it. I would have had to go back like two years. Oh my gosh. If they would have even let me. So most people, if they have to drop out, you have to go take the equivalent of the SATs, which we call JAMB, right? And you do it all over again. 
But here I was like, if truly I had an option, a way out, I probably would have taken psychology classes and then I would have taken business Different classes things, with my yeah. degree. And then of course I would have loved psychology more because it's it sounds like fun in my ears, in my head. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. You <laughs> don't get those classes. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't sometimes I don't blame people who go to school and they graduate with a general, I think general studies they call it. Yeah, of course, like it makes me mad when I think about it because I'm like, oh, I wish you just picked something. Anything. I know. I, but know. I, I see know. how that can. I mean, you leave a, a child to c- contemplate. How are they supposed to figure it out? How would yeah. they know, right? That's so. Our goal, honestly, is um, over the long term is thirty six kids, which uh, which will feature thirty six nice. different careers. So that is thirty six storylines um, that we will deliver in a sequence and that matches what they're mm-hmm. learning in school, so that what they're learning in school comes alive um, in those kids. And then technology that allows the parents to continue to explore. So our our big vision is that you know you once you once you explore electrical engineering, for example, with our headband kit, which is our pilot kit, and you like that some oh. more, you want to do more things, then we want we want your parents to have the ability then to feel we, we will be offering recommendations of other things you can do to continue mm. to explore that interest in a graduated way. So you you we don't want the parent to have to try to figure out okay what comes next after circuits, right? Like we're gonna feed you with that and say, okay, here's the next possible thing that you can do and here's the next thing, here's the next thing. Or you can just follow and do the next kit, right? And then maybe after six kits, we're able to tell you, hey, it looks like your your child actually likes <laughs> things that have to do with X, Y, and yeah, Z. I love Let's that. do more down that, that path, right? So essentially, mm. at the end of the day, if we could boil it down is really trying to transform that guidance counseling experience, right? Mm-hmm, because think mm-hmm. about it. In one, it doesn't really exist in a robust way, or at least not from a career advising way in the elementary school ages. Um, and even as you go into middle and high school, where you start to have some of that, the ratios are out of control, right? Like you've got one person for an entire school. So how could they ever really personalize that experience to help your child find what could be their best fit? It's almost impossible, right? So um, hopefully the work that we're doing starts to partner um, with schools to provide that support for both parents and and the and the school yeah. so that we can get kids really excited about exploring what's natural what fits what's good for them early um mm-hmm. and they get into college ready to actually do the work right not not starting a search party ready. <laughs> yeah, what's my thing mm-hmm. so five years time down the line what are the big dreams and visions for smart girls hq so um that's a great question so we have um three different ways that we go to market. One is um, through the parent education angle with Raising Smart Girls and then mm-hmm. um, and the products that we sell directly to consumers um, and then through schools, through programs that we do through schools. So in in five years, I would, I would love for our full line of kits to be developed so that mm-hmm. people can enroll in nice. subscription programs um, on their own. Um, but I would love us to also have um, deeper connections within schools so that we can start to build our curriculum into areas uh, that make sense um, within um, school districts that are 
starting to think about career education at that mm-hmm. lower ages, supporting teachers. I was, you know, uh, before right before this podcast, I was, we were just training a group of teachers to help deploy this to their students. And nice. they loved it. They had fun as adults doing it. Um, so, you know, really helping to bridge that gap between what teachers don't know, because for they they had a lot of apprehension, even at the beginning, like, are we really going to be able to do this? And they're the teachers, right? So this is <laughs> the struggle we have where, you know, STEM is such a foreign language to everybody because none of us were raised with it like we were raised mm. with literacy, right? Every night you read to your kid. Um, and numeracy is even behind literacy in terms of, you know, it's not, most people still have some sort of phobia around math because it's not as, um, it, it hasn't been made as much of a practice as um, literacy has been. And so STEM literacy is like even further (laughs) that's even further down the line Mm -hmm. for everybody so we absolutely would love to lead that conversation nationally around how do we start to raise them literate kids which doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that we're raising everyone to be an engineer we're just raising everyone to have the at least they have the opportunity in anything or one they have the opportunity to choose if that's what they would like to do but two they have the opportunity to thrive in whatever they choose because Mm -hmm. in the future that we're headed into we might not know what those roles look like but they will be tech enabled in some way every single thing yes they will be stem fueled in some way i mean i envision galleries that are completely tech enabled in the way that that. interaction (laughs) the way you touch and experience the art so if you are an art curator you now need a different set of skills um Mm -hmm. that's different from maybe what people needed a hundred years ago right so you did you did go to school to become an engineer but now you work in a very STEM field environment. Mm. I want you to be okay with that. I want you to thrive in that environment. So this isn't just about, you know, how do we put out more engineers? This is about how do we make sure every single one of our daughters, every single Mm -hmm. one of our girls get a chance to find their place in a future that's going to be so digital. We can't escape that. It's going to be digital. It's going to be tech enabled. It's going to be STEM fueled. The humanities absolutely will always have their place because it's the glue that ties everything together. But we don't want our girls not being able to find, you know, amazing jobs that contribute to Mm -hmm. our society and help us solve real problems because they never learned the skills to do so, to participate in those environments. They never learned the skills to be led in those rooms um, and have the jobs that are needed at that time, right? We don't see it right now, but in many years from now, when those are the skills that are needed and only the guys have them, (laughs) we're going to be faced with a very big problem. Uh, (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing that. So so there's something I always ask my guests because it, it, everyone, well, not everyone. So a small percentage of people see this problem, right? Mm -hmm. Then an even smaller percentage starts to talk about it and do something Mm -hmm. about it. And then we have (laughs) even fewer people who, do um, it. Start doing it first of all as um as freelance, and then later turn it actually into an actual institution. So tell us, I we ask people, what do you? What are those things that you practice? Could you preach it to us? Because we want to imbibe those best practices, how you've lived your life, how you've conducted yourself, and 
things you find yourself doing even now, that's part of your thought process and part of how you do life and you do work. That's gotten you where you are today. Yep. Um, So that's a great question. I think, um, you know, as with everybody, you're constantly evolving and learning what works for you. But I think the most, the first, the first practice that I continue to hone in my life is, what do you want? I'm constantly mm-hmm. asking myself, what do you want? Not what should you want? Not what's mm-hmm. everybody doing or what's acceptable? But what do you want? And the it's such a simple question. But mm-hmm. the the more you can learn to strip that question down to a very simple answer that's truly motivated from you, your answers, not influenced by anything else around you, um, the closer you get to actually starting to live the life that that reflects your values. So really staying in touch with yourself in terms of what what is it that you want out of life and mm-hmm. and that's step 1. The the second step is really truly forcing myself to take that leap. It is the hardest thing, right? So you might know what you want. You finally figure <laughs> out what you want. Oh my god. I was totally terrified, terrified to leave my career because I was not leaving a career where I was miserable. In fact, I left at a a point where literally everyone was like, you're insane. Like, what are you doing? Like you, you, you are literally (laughs) like, why are you leaving? And I, I was so scared, but I knew that when I looked out Mm. 10 years, my answer to what do you want? When I looked out 10, 20 years from that moment, even if I, at that point, if I changed nothing and I was, um, I don't know, leading the entire company, I would not be completely satisfied. Yeah. I would not be completely satisfied. One of the things that um, determines success for me, the way that I define success and when I feel the most successful is when my energy is being spent and the things that I get as a result of my energy doesn't benefit just me. That Mm -hmm. is when I feel most successful. And so when I think about when I projected forward in my life and I'm thinking, this is the only one version of life I would have lived. Like, am I okay with that? Am I okay mm-hmm. with Abby, the corporate professional? And that is that is the version that I have now committed to. And I wasn't, I, I honestly was not okay with that. being The only version of life I ever got to experience. Cause you just don't get to come back and do it again. Or at least we don't have the awareness of it if we do. Um, so I just, I wanted in this one life to, um, to serve in a way. And and then of course I had this battle with myself and thought this is again, where the the third practice is um, believe it's possible, believe it's possible because I, I then got into this place where I was like, but I love my career and I love impact and I love, I love both things. Um, And I decided, well, do it your way, do it your way. 
go out and build a company that you would be proud of. Build it. I didn't want a nonprofit. And that meant I wasn't going to build a nonprofit because I don't know how to do a nonprofit. I like commercial goals. I want to I want to live and die by my customers. I, it's a scary place to be, but I want I want that um, accountability. Exactly. I want that accountability to exist. And I also strongly believe that we can do good and make profit at the exact time. Love it. Love it. So I, I said to the, the other practice, uh, my personal practice is just do it your way. Like you have your own way of doing things. And while everybody else is doing, doing it this way, can you be successful in your way? Then do it your way. Um, so for me, it's those things is really really carefully sitting with myself. What do you want? Okay, Mm -hmm. well, find all the strength to take the leap. It's going to be terrifying, but do it. And then when you do it, do it your way. Um, and then, and then the rest of it, honestly, is a lot of grace, a lot of faith, um, in entrepreneurship, faith is an extreme sport. (laughs) (laughs) And so extreme, but necessary, right? Extreme, but necessary, but it's such a beautiful journey. Um, I'm the kind of person that likes to be a change agent in general. So even in my life, if things start to become so predictable, I force the change because I feel like I'm not learning. So that this journey is kind of, it works for me that way because everything changes every day (laughs) in a startup. Um, and I'm constantly learning, uh, but it's, it's beautiful because I I couldn't have predicted two years ago that I'm going to be talking to you right now about what I'm doing. I couldn't even mm-hmm. have told you that we would be building kits because I didn't know that. I didn't know that at that beginning, like that was exactly, you know, how this was going to manifest itself. Right. So it requires so much faith because you know where you're going, but the details are not there. And as you as you walk, the, the details become clearer and clearer. Um, and as a person of faith, that has been one of the most rewarding things in this journey for me is seeing my faith in God build, right? Where I thought I was, I had so much faith before. Oh boy. Like when you really jump out there. <laughs> now it's realize, like, Lord, I'm leaning on your everlasting arms. Yes, like, don't let yes, me and, But when it comes through, you're just like, oh, wow, God, that, that was you because there was really no did. other way. There was no mm-hmm. other way. And it's a great way to, to live. Oh, I absolutely love that. Ooh, that's, that's massive. So you spoke about, um, doing away with the fear and just starting. Mm-hmm. And then you also spoke about. Yeah. So you, you got to, first you got to know, you got to know what you want and you got to be honest with yourself, right? You have to know what you want. What is it that you want? Right. And it doesn't even have to be like, don't want a startup because everybody else is doing a startup. You could just want to grow in your career in corporate. <laughs> Or you could want to stay at home, <laughs> like whatever That's it is that you. you want. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Whatever it is that you want, you got to get there because that's the only way to find your peace, your happiness. The one person that you need to find peace with, first and foremost, is yourself. And it starts from knowing what do you want. And then the mm. second thing is take the leap to go do that, right? It might take you a while. Like I had been thinking about um, leaving corporate to do this probably like for three years before I actually did it. Oh, really? Right? Yeah. yeah, because I just, I knew I wanted to go do something entrepreneurial. I didn't know what, what it was going to be, 
um, three years before. And then as this started to evolve, right. And then I started before leaving, right. I just started, just, I just started sending a newsletter to my friends. Like start That's a good way to actually things, start. Right? right. I just did something. And then just like you are, you're, you're doing a podcast, right. You, you mm-hmm. just contribute, you're, de- you're serving, you're contributing something to the world. And then that starts to, um, progress on its own. And it'll tell you, you know, the thing that you're working on will tell you if, you know, if it's something that can expand and become bigger, because you start to get to a place where you can't make it all work. <laughs> and that was where I got to. It was like, mentally, I can't be committed to these two things. I just, there are people that know how to do this. Yeah, I'm not one of those people. Cry. And I've accepted that fact. So like, I'm just, I don't have those skills. So I have to choose one. Right. And when you get to that point, you going back to what do you want helps that's you choose, fine, right? right? Mm-hmm. That's what it, that what that's what helps you choose. And then once you've once you've taken the leap, then you know really it's just it's it's just um uh doing it the way that you want, you know, doing it your way and not getting influenced. I remember at the beginning of my startup journey, gosh, I used to be so jealous of, you know, all the stories that would come out of TechCrunch and all that <laughs> and back of the napkin um ideas and and I just and then, you know, I realized I'm like, but I you know, I don't even want VC money. So why am I even jealous of these people? <laughs> like that's not even what I'm looking for. But it just seems so snazzy and attractive and, and, you know, it seems like that's what you should be doing if you're a startup. And then I had to stop and say, wait, wait, what do you want? Again, back to what do you want? It's like, well, I want to build a company that's meaningful and sustainable over a long period of time. I don't want to build a flash in a pan. Okay, so then how do you do that? then let's focus Mm. on that, you know, and block out all distractions. So those three questions, Mm -hmm. they come back over and over and over again. And it doesn't matter what I use it for. It just always centers me so that I can figure out where I'm headed next. Love that. So where can people get some of those kids? How can they join you on your crusade and on your journey and just help their own kids and raise smart girls? Absolutely. Thank you for offering that to your readers. So um, if you're a parent, please visit RaisingSmartGirls.com and sign up for our newsletter. Um, And we often share resources there and keep you in the loop. On the website, mm-hmm. there's a shop. You can buy um, our kits on there. And you, if you're on a newsletter, you know when we release new ones, we'll have um, six kits by the end of this year. Um, so we want to keep you in the loop so make sure that you're you're on our newsletter. Our kits are also available on Amazon. So you can purchase on Amazon. They're great for gifts um, and stuff. And then, you know, I'm happy to connect to other professionals as well. So I'm on LinkedIn as Abby Olukeye, O-L-U-K-E-Y-E. And Abby is mm-hmm. Abby. And then we're on Instagram at Raising Smart Girls and Facebook at Raising Smart Girls on Twitter at Smart Girls HQ. Thank you so, so, so much. I can't even express (laughs) how grateful I am, not just for um, you coming to the show, but just for what you're doing in the world. Because we don't have enough people who are leaning into the call that they feel in their in their hearts, I would say. So thank you for helping raise smart girls and to all the smart girls everywhere. um, Definitely take part in this. Definitely come get your kids and excite your children in STEM, inspire them, right? Because everyone starts with inspiration and let's see where the kids go with that. 
All right. Thank you all so much. You will find all her details in the show notes and you can click on the links and get your products as well, get your kits as well as sign up to the newsletter. Thank you, Abby, for stopping by today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed being here. (laughs) All right. Bye for now. I trust you have been elevated and empowered with insights from today's episode. Thank you for subscribing and reviewing the Stellify podcast. Let's continue the conversation on Instagram and Facebook at Stellify with Bralade, or you could check me out at my website, www.bralade.com. Have a great week. The Stellification continues.